Welcome to Behind the Tour, the podcast from American Christian Tours that goes behind the scenes of the most iconic sites, historic characters, and true stories in American history to discover how God has been at work since the very beginning. This is Aaron, uh, and I, I'm joined today with Corey Hockaday and Krista Wenzel. Hey, guys. Hi. Hey. Glad you're back, Aaron. <laughs> yes, we missed you. Yeah. Well, I, I got missed- some busy holidays. I missed you guys too. Yeah, in the frozen tundra of Wisconsin, I got to traipse around a little bit uh, during the past few days. But uh, how how was Minnesota, Krista? Everything is going great here. Have a big cup of coffee and excited to talk about history today. I'll tell you that. Yes, much. and also reminisce on some of my favorite memories and early memories of tour as well. Cool. Mm. <laughs> Our memories. So what is our what is our colonial colloquialism with the coffee corner today? Well, today we are going to be talking about pulling out all the stops. Now, I think when I hear the term pull out all the stops, I just go for it. Like that means, you know, don't hold anything back, go for it. It's a little bit reminiscent of the whole nine yards, what we talked about last week, but the way that it came about is that if you guys, I love music. I play piano. I've dabbled and tried to play a pipe organ before and I cannot play it at all, but it's a very complicated machinery. You'd almost say it's almost like more of a machine than an instrument. But when you have the stops on that will decrease the sound and it'll help kind of have the harmony. Sometimes though, you want to take all the stops out or pull out all the stops to increase the volume so that it is as loud as it possibly could go. And I just think that that's such a fun, you know, we don't really think of it in terms of that, a physical stop, you know, we're just like pull out all the stops that has an actual root in early America because There are several pipe organs in America and all over Europe, but the largest ones are actually right here in America. The second largest one in the world that's fully functional is at West Point Cadet Chapel, which I don't know if either of you have been. I've been there on tour before, and I think um, a lot of our groups have have gone up there in New York along the beautiful Hudson River. You know, we see the Hudson when we're going into Manhattan, but that whole area north of there with the hills and almost like many mountains, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is, yeah. And so West Point is up there. And they have the second largest functional in the world. It has 23,256 pipes, which is just oh phenomenal. Gosh. Yeah. It's Are there gorgeous. that many notes on the scale? Like, how did <laughs> that? But then when you think of music, though, can you imagine getting to heaven and all the harmonies oh, okay. and all of the music that will be up there? So if there's 23,000 pipes, imagine 100,000 angels singing or people singing worship to the Lord. So anyway, I just love the thought of, you know, when you go into old churches, I don't know if um, you guys have ever gone to service. I think I've done just a mini service at the Bruton Parish Church down in Williamsburg. They have the old setting and it's fun to actually see the pipe organ that they have there, which has been renovated over the years and they've added newer pipes, but it's just pretty fun. And um, a lot of the churches that we think of today for meeting places. And we're going to be talking a little bit about meetings that have taken place at churches today. Are we not? We are. Oh, we are indeed. <laughs> well, and I'll have to throw something else in there too. You know, when I thought of pulling out all the stops, Krista, 
I used to think of, uh, you know, when I was a kid of uh, rolling through stop signs, that, you know, it'd be <laughs> wonderful if there were no stop signs, but that would lead to a little bit of a chaos. Uh, we used to say that all the, all the stop signs that had a white ring around it were optional. Uh, but, you know, that in contrast to the, like you said, the beautiful flow of music uh, that, that will be in heaven when all the stops are pulled out. Uh, and that, that uh, is just, uh, yeah, an amazing thing to think about. Okay. So we're going to be going behind the Constitution now. I love this segment because I love to talk about the Constitution. I love that we can talk about how many of our founding fathers fought for it. And, you know, you have the Federalist Papers, which we'll eventually get to in future episodes, undoubtedly. Uh There's one one area that we tend to not talk about that much. Mm-hmm. Founding fathers who are opposed to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. What an interesting thought. Now, I know mm-hmm. that um, we could talk about a few different ones, and we know that this was not a unanimous document to begin with. But who is, Corey, who is someone that you know of that is very surprising that they were opposed to the Constitution? Oh, my stars. Well, one fairly famous figure is a man named Patrick Henry, which we all know is super pro-independence in America and but when it came down to the time of the constitution he was like meh nope that's a nope for me and his biggest concern was that well he he gave the example of like well here in Virginia we wrote up this thing called the like our rights what are the rights of Virginians and then we created our constitution to protect those rights and he said this new federal government that's brewing up in Philadelphia has it backwards. They wrote up the government and then tacked on the, the, um, the rights, which when he was making this argument, the rights hadn't even been tacked on yet. Like there was no bill of rights. There was no 10 amendments. So he was very concerned and a huge proponent of the bill of rights that we have today. Like, the first one, you know, the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion and the freedom of press and all of those. So he was very concerned that this new government would be over, overreaching and overstepping its bounds. And he had a lot of actually pretty valid objections to the Constitution, which I was listening. So probably you students, if you're listening, you're like, yeah, I remember reading those Federalist papers. Put me to sleep every time. You're in good company, my friend. <laughs> But I was reading something I've never read before the other day called the Anti-Federalist Papers. Um, And Patrick Henry was one of the authors of these. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's the papers against the Constitution. And it's some pretty valid concerns. But it's, again, because of guys like Patrick Henry and another famous man, George Mason, that we have our Bill of Rights today. So very grateful for these wise men who wouldn't just jump on the bandwagon and go along to get along, but pushed for the rights of their citizens and the states, especially that representative government would not be lost in this new constitution. So yeah, Corey, and I think <clears throat> that's great because I think God's we see God's hand of providence in this too. Uh, that there were lots of good intentions with mm-hmm. within the context of creating the Constitution uh, and, and these men that did it, but there was also a concern. Like Daniel Webster has a quote. He says it's hardly too strong to say that the Constitution was made to guard the people against the dangers of good intentions. And he <laughs> he goes on to talk about you know that uh, yeah you know what they, they promise to be good, but they still need to be in. Uh, so individual rights become very important. And I think God's hand was certainly in it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I would just like to add too. you know, you have these men who are anti-federalist. They didn't want this constitution. They, you know, did see that there were issues, uh, you know, Patrick Henry in particular saw the issues that were with the articles of confederation that predated the constitution. But once the constitution was passed, I love that they didn't give up the fight. I love mm-hmm. that fact of going, yeah. it didn't, the Bill of Rights didn't come with the Constitution. They weren't hand in hand. Those came mm-hmm. a few years later. And so I love this fact that, you know, and we're going to dig into, I believe next week, we're going to be talking about the Bill of Rights. At least, you know, we'll start that conversation because, you know, there's so much to talk about. But with the Bill of Rights, it's amazing to look and go, this was not an original part of the Constitution. The freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, these things that we hold so dear. And as Americans, we are the first people on the planet to have these permanently up until this point of history came as a fact that these men still fought after the Constitution was ratified without them. And I think that that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, I hope you, uh, Corey, Chris, awesome stuff. Uh, I hope uh, our listeners stick around for the next segment where we're going to be talking about uh, Patrick Henry in a little bit more and uh, about his life and about some of the decisions that he made. So uh, stay with us. Hey, guys, we're going to dip into our little fan mailbag here and give you a little review from our friend Evan, who says about his tour, I like the flexibility to work with what attractions or locations we want, even on short notice. It's a huge, it is a huge education for both young and old, but spread out in a way that everyone could take a lot in. I could never plan all of this myself. Thank you, Axe, for your continued partnership. All right. Well, we're introducing a new segment, if you will, on this podcast going forward, um, where we're taking questions from you. We're going to go behind the tour or even behind the tour guide um, to tell you more about all the things you've ever wondered about touring America. Um, So if you would like to submit one of your questions for us, you can do so by emailing behind the tour at axe, that's A-C-T-S dash tours, Dot com behind the tour at axe-tours.com. So this week's question, who is the most famous person you've ever seen on tour? Ooh, that's a fun question. Okay, so Aaron, who is the most famous person you've ever seen on tour or persons? Yeah, I love that question. I've seen <clears throat> a couple famous people on tour. Uh, I've seen uh, Howie Long and Terry Bradshaw uh, near uh, the White House actually going into a hotel. Uh, but another another one comes to mind, Corey, and this is kind of cool because it was I've always been kind of a fan of this lady. It's Betty White. And, oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, she's been in so many movies and so many, like even, uh, you know, the Golden Girls, uh, an old sitcom uh, on TV years ago, but Betty White's pretty famous. And, you know, the, the great thing is, is she's still with us today, but I saw her at Jamestown. Uh, uh, and it was, I was there with a group and I was going down to where they have the three ships um, docked or at least the replicas. And uh, I heard a cannon light off 
and there's a whole bunch of people down there. I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of cool. I've never seen this many people here before. And, uh, you know, a cannon light uh, go off on the ship. Well, it turns out that Betty White is one of the uh, uh, a financial contributor to Jamestown. No way. Yeah. I did not know that. So, um, so they had her there uh, as a, a host of an event um, where she actually lit off a cannon and they were kind of celebrating her down there. And I didn't know it was her until I was walking down and a golf cart comes up with a whole entourage by it. And as this golf cart was passing by, uh, I looked in about two feet from me. I looked over and she looked right at me and it was Betty White. And I'm like, oh wow. my goodness. It was kind of surreal. So that is, uh, yeah, probably the most famous person that I've seen on tour. That is a fantastic story. Yeah, isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Corey, how about you? Oh, my gosh, so many, so many. If you go to New York, you're bound to see somebody, somebody right? famous. Like when we, we went and watched a play and like we got there early and like the, the main cast like walked right through us. So it was Kelsey Grammer and Matt Morrison. We're like, oh, my gosh, it's them. And then one time I was in the Library of Congress on a private tour with my grandma actually and um patrick dempsey was there with his family just hanging out in the library of congress which is wild and yeah again just random people but my favorite one was um the day that they were filming the winter soldier in washington dc and i like i knew they were going to be shutting down the smithsonian's early so i had like my nose to the ground i was like i'm gonna see something cool but it was supposed to be later so i was like wandering around the mall my peeps were doing their thing wandering around the mall too and sure enough there they were on third street right in front of the capitol and chris evans in the flesh oh my gosh guys oh my gosh i would have passed out (laughs) (laughs) so i watched for like an hour they were filming like the scene in winter soldier with like the black corvette when like Mm -hmm. uh, like the black widow comes up and like cap jumps in and dashes away and that's that's the guy I so love it. that was probably the best day on tour as well. So if you're going to ask that, one. <laughs> yeah, you know, that is exciting. I think the girls might be a little more excited about that one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But he's an icon. Um, he Captain is. America. Hello. American Christian tours. <laughs> all connects. It all connects. It was a mascot for the Nats, like on the side, like in his like mascotty outfit for Washington, like holding up a sign that said, I created America. Put me in your movie. So, wow, that was funny. That's they didn't put him in the movie. Oh, Krista, what about you? Well, um, so much time on Capitol Hill. I've seen a lot of like really famous quote unquote politicians, but they don't hold the candle to one day at Mount Vernon. I was waiting for oh. my tour. So a lot of times as tour guides, if we set a meeting time of four o'clock, we consider it bad taste to show up right at four. We tend to like to be a little bit earlier to make sure we're at the right spot so that our tour participants can get, you know, an eye on us. And sometimes we just like to just be there and um, extroverts like myself, I just miss my tour people. And so I hope people show up early so I can visit. You're an, you're an extrovert? So, <laughs> yeah, I like people. Oh my goodness. So when I was sitting at Mount Vernon, if you've ever been there, we always meet, we try to always meet outside and there's little benches there and there's an entrance into the little restaurant. And I was sitting there and I tend not to look at people too much, mostly because um, I'm usually thinking about something else, but I don't, I'm I'm not one just to sit and observe, you know, like I'm interacting some way, but that day I just happened to be observing this lady because she had 
a little dog. And that was, that was the, that was the pull in for me. Cause I love dogs. I'll interrupt myself on tour when I see a cute dog. I love dogs. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that dog is so cute. And she has an owner. Oh my gosh. The owner it's princess Leia. Oh my gosh. I was like on red alert. I Carrie Fisher was there in the flesh. I, Dead. about passed out but I didn't I was like play it cool play it cool so I tried to discreetly get a couple of pictures because I didn't want to bug her either and go up like it was just her with her dog like having a nice day I didn't need to like cause a scene but my goodness I was you should have asked thrilled. if you could pet her dog well I don't know like again that's a, and that's another boundary too like some people <laughs> don't like you to like come up and play with their dogs and yeah. so there was and there was a lot of emotions for me I wasn't mm-hmm. like ex- it it just you know like Corey was out looking for the kill you know she was looking to see something happen on the mall like she was out there I was just minding my business and I look up and it was Princess Leia and um to this day that is the most famous person I've ever seen on that is really cool that was fun all right well it's now it's time to get a little bit serious but a little bit crazy we're gonna pull out all the stops seriously crazy hey Oh, pulling out all the stuff. Okay. So last week we asked the question, what phrase given in a Virginian church stirred a nation to independence? Well, that church is in Richmond. The church is St. John's. And you two actually have some really great experiences there that I've never experienced. So I'm kind of jealous. So just take it away. What can you tell us about this famous phrase and famous spokesman? Go ahead, Krista. Oh, man, you're too kind. Um, Well, (laughs) at the famous church in Richmond, Virginia, is St. John's. And this is a very, you know, it's an old-looking church, but you wouldn't think of the importance that it held as much as it does if you ever go to visit there. It's just in the middle of a neighborhood, has, you know, the old um, cemetery out front, and then just this old stately church. It's very cool. Well, the reason why Corey even mentioned that we have a memory there, Aaron and I started tour guiding the very same year. Now, I was hired a little bit late into the process, and that's a whole story for another day. But I was hired late, and so my very first tour-related experience actually was at St. John's Church, and we went in with the crowd. The entire tour did. So I think it was like two buses, so probably like 60, 70 people of us going in. (laughs) And so we went into this church, and filled in the pews, like we were going to be, uh, you know, going to church service itself, but it was a meeting. And as we were sitting there, these men got up and started recounting the events that led up to Patrick Henry giving his famous, give me liberty or give me death speech. And what was really cool about that experience, um, you know, again, I'm just a huge history nerd, always has been. But when I was sitting there, all of a sudden I noticed, because I was in the back, I started noticing that there were some taller gentlemen sitting amongst our students. You know, we have eighth graders with us, um, you know, not six foot plus men, um, you know, in colonial gear. And so I'm like, what is going on? Well, they brought the entire tour into the experience of that day. We weren't onlookers. The people who were sitting amongst us were like George Washington. And so we got to hear what George Washington uh, said on that day. And, you know, we all like got to, you know, pound our feet if we were in agreement, or, you know, we, we were part of that day. And so it was just a, such a cool 
first experience into tour guiding and one that, uh, you know, is still very, very unique to me. And, um, you know, seeing George Washington, we got a picture with him afterwards and you can't really, I mean, I got a picture of George Washington. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick Henry. So anyway, so Aaron, what do you remember about that? Yeah, for those for those guys to reenact that that time uh, in that meeting in St. John's Church, and then have the costumed interpreters uh, kind of almost give verbatim what was talked about, uh, and the uh, Patrick Henry getting impassioned, uh, and it was yeah, it was just really cool uh, to be in you know to on location uh, in that church. Uh, actually getting to sit in a place where, where it actually happened, uh, at least geographically. And, uh, and the kids, just I just remember the kids, they had just a ton of fun. I mean, they were sitting next to these mm-hmm. people that were standing up and objecting and saying, hey, no, we shouldn't do that. And uh, yeah, just the, the kids just had a ball. And uh, again, that's one of the value, such a valuable experience of being on location mm-hmm. uh, in a place where uh, you're getting the experience like that. Yeah, well, even the context of what was going on in that day, you know, we're looking at 1775, Patrick Henry and these great leaders of the legislature, the House of Burgesses, met outside of Williamsburg, which was where the capital was of the entire Virginia colony. And so they had to leave that area to be away from the governor. They met in secret. And on that day in March of 1775, they were deciding, are we going to fight the British or aren't we? what is going to happen? They're taking over our rights. They're taking over our liberties. They are way overreaching the bound of what they should be. And we are colonists to the crown. So the, you have those who are very much in favor of saying, we're not going to fight the British there. We are loyal subjects to them. But then you had those like Patrick Henry who saw the value of what American individuals were and why the individuals needed to stand up. And um, Corey, what I love so much about being on tour with you or, you know, when, whenever we get together, you have such a, I think a depth of knowledge of words and that you just love the words. And so I know that you have the entire speech memorized and I know you're not going to give all of it, but what are some of the points that you grab out of that speech that led us to having, you know, really what, when he gave that speech on that day, America started on another setting. They started down a path on that day because of these words. So what were some of those words that are really impactful to you? His words, well, clearly have had an impact on me. I memorized the end of his speech when I was in eighth grade which was a long time ago, and I still remember the majority of it today. So definitely impactful. Um, but, you know, when he uses words like, gentlemen may cry peace, peace, but there is no peace. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I mean, this is just, I mean, it's a little fiery. Um, he was heavily influenced by some pretty fiery Baptist ministers at the time. So you kind of get that vibe. Uh, but his allusion to to scripture and theater of the day also plays a huge role in just like firing people up. And I love that he didn't, he didn't waste words. He just, he got down to the nitty gritty. But, you know, when he says like, our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? Like, Let's get our heads in the game. Let's pull out all the stops, y'all. Um, Love it. Yeah. And then, of course, he ends his famous speech with, um, I know not the course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. That's kind of extreme. 
And it's kind of like Joshua in, in Joshua, when he says the whole phrase, like, I don't, you know, as I don't, I don't know what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like, I don't care what everyone else is doing. I know it's right. And I know what I've been called to do. And so that's what I will be doing. So he was a little bit unconventional, but memorable in that he stirred up these people. Yeah, Corey, and I think you know I th- I've always thought of him as kind of this fiery yeah. redhead, and I think he might have had red hair if I'm not mistaken, but kind of like David, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the Bible, you know, just kind of ruddy, uh, just kind of a little bit rugged, um, but he was fiery, and it was his faith that fired him up too. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, uh, I remember a quote from him that says, "It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists but mm-hmm. by Christians, not on religions but." On on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and for this very reason, people of other faiths have been afforded asylum prosperity. Uh, that's why they want to come. You know, it's that freedom. And uh, obviously what you just talked about, man, freedom was on his mind. Yeah. And he was a guy, I was reading a little bit about him, who was, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about Abraham Lincoln and how he tried this and that, and he failed at a lot of things and then eventually succeeded at keeping the union together as our president. But Patrick Henry has a similar story where he, he dabbled in a few things and had a kind of a rough beginning and failed at like several different endeavors until he landed on law. So he studied law and showed up in Williamsburg to take the law exam and he showed up and the, and the men before he would have to stand said, nah, 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 you, you and your buckskin outfit are a no-go for us. Um, but there was another person who had some faith in him and let him take the test and whatever. And so he had a very successful career in law because as you can tell from his speech, he has quite a way with swaying people. Well, and he became the first governor of Virginia ah. Colonial and also the sixth because he mm-hmm. had a little interim there and he came back and was the sixth governor also. Yeah. What a guy. What a guy. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing too when you look at his life and really what it meant. You know, he was not particularly like Corey had talked about, he wasn't particularly successful until he found that niche. And really, once he became a lawyer, it was argued that he was Mm -hmm. the best lawyer in all of Virginia colony. And, you know, we think of Virginia, you know, we get our, in our brain, I, I say Virginia and I outline what is, what I see it on a map now, but really how big Virginia was in those days was huge. It actually, I, I've never seen proof of this, but I think they say that it went all the way to Minnesota mm-hmm. because the boundaries for states were North and South and they didn't have a Western boundary because they didn't know it was West of there. And so it just went out West and it was absolutely massive. So he was super influential. I mean, even a lot of people forget he was a part of the first and second um, continental Congress. Like he was very much a part of every part of America having freedom. And because of his ability to argue, I think it was his mom that once said that he was the one who argued more than anyone else. Like he was born to argue and it's like a God-given gift. I'm not particularly prone to being good in arguments. So that is always just, um, you know, you think arguments, you think bad, Mm -hmm. but really the argument, if you look at the original word of it and what its intention is, is to basically state your point. Mm -hmm. And so that's what made him such a good founding father because he was able to state his point, but also what made him such a good Christian Mm -hmm. because he was able to know once he knew something, he knew it very well. And so he's a powerful, powerful Christian man. And like Aaron had talked about, you know, just his faith was his, was what drove him. 
Yeah, he wasn't just verbose. He was very eloquent with his speech, and God God gifted him uh, with that. And he also put people in his life uh, as mentors, too, um, that played an instrumental part, I think, in his ability to do what he did. And that is a great segue into our call of action today with Corey. So, uh, Corey, there, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, influential people in history um, that have played a part of uh, of our wonderful history in America. So, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit more about one of them? Sure, Aaron. So there's another Virginian that's probably less famous than Patrick Henry. Um, His name is George Wythe. Like if you go to Williamsburg today, you would for sure see his house. You might not notice it. It's not often stopped at. Unfortunately, there aren't any gunsmiths inside. Um, But it's near the the governor's palace. And um, in that house also is where George Washington was um, making plans for the surrender of of Cornwallis. And so it's pretty historic. But George Wythe is remembered very fondly by everyone that knew him. And some of, um, he's, he's, he's the first um, law professor in America and uh, taught at the College of William and Mary and was just absolutely adored by his students, many of whom would board with him. And he just poured his life and his heart into them and nurturing their minds and expanding them and teaching them and um, just taking so much of his life and putting it into them and into the next generation. Um, very few people know about George Wyss. I mean, even though he was, again, the first law professor, taught at College of William and Mary, signed the Declaration of Independence. In fact, he wasn't there to sign it on the first day when they were all signing, but the other Virginians left space at the top so that he would be the first. It looks like he's the first Virginian to sign because they had so much respect for this man. Um, he served as mayor of Williamsburg and um, just just extraordinarily remembered and finally appreciated by his students, one of whom was Thomas Jefferson. Um, so we can see George Wythe's influence on Thomas Jefferson and like the Declaration of Independence, which I can only imagine as a teacher, you know, signing this document that your your student had written after all you'd poured into him. And then when George Wythe passed away, he bequeathed his law books to Thomas Jefferson. Um, and they now reside in the Library of Congress today. So just a hugely influential man. Um, and he, he would often see the potential in people that maybe were forgotten or forsaken by, by, by the masses. In fact, when he died or <clears throat> was murdered, but that's a whole other story. There was someone, <laughs> it's a great story. Um, there was someone living with him. It was an African-American that he was teaching, that he was tutoring, that he was um, pouring his life into. So again, someone you might not think of in that time period, but he saw um, this, this, this young man's potential important to him. And then, of course, he had another very famous, not necessarily student, but someone he gave a chance to, someone that was already rejected by the lawyers of the day and already rejected by people like Peyton Randolph and Edmund Pendleton and um, someone who was a little rough around the edges and definitely a backwoods hick. But George Wythe saw his potential and said, all right, why don't you go ahead and take that law exam and we'll see what happens. Patrick Henry. And sure enough, Patrick Henry passed and excelled and changed America and changed the world all because this teacher saw the potential in him. So, I mean, so many of us can look at the outside of a person. You know, you talked about David and how we can look at the outward appearance um, and be distracted, but it's we're supposed to look at the heart, the way that God sees people. And sometimes we underestimate the potential in a human being, but God, God can do great and mighty things that we can't even, can't even imagine through the most un- 
Un, what's the word I'm looking for? Unassuming? Unpredictable. Oh, unassuming, unassuming, sure. Of people, including Patrick Henry. Oh. So if you're a teacher listening, take heart, courage, take heart. You just never know who, who might be the next Jefferson, the next James Monroe, the next Patrick Henry to walk through your door. You might not be remembered, which is okay. We're just asked to be faithful. But yeah, I love that. Like That's such a great story. Well, and two, it's um, amazing too. And you're going around Williamsburg that you can go to his home. Like mm-hmm. it, it just, it's fascinating to me. These, these threads of history that, you know, these men that we're talking about, they're not just uh, figures in books. They're not just people that, mm-hmm. you know, we have made up or, you know, that, that these things didn't happen, but there's physical proof left. And I think that that's what I love so much about going on tours that, you know, these stories truly do come alive and standing at his house and how close it was to the governor's palace, like the connection there, even of going, these people were living yeah. very, very much aware that they were under a monarch at that point. And he mm-hmm. still went forward with these ideas of liberty and freedom is pretty, um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And not that George Woods really was the one who, who caused a revolution, but he was the one who taught men how to think and to be revolutionary mm-hmm. in their thoughts. So I love, I love mm-hmm. the story of George oh, Woods. Yeah. And the governor's mansion where Patrick Henry would have presented uh-huh. as the first governor. Of Virginia. I forget about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, that was so crazy. Yeah. You guys, that really speaks to the importance too of, of, uh, you know, for all of our teacher listeners out there and administrators uh, to to know that they're making a difference, to know that God is using them in people's lives. And as they invest into students, uh, we all need to invest, you know, uh, and we need to be invested mm-hmm. into. Um, so I think that's a, that's another good takeaway also that uh, we need to inv- continue to invest into kids and uh, we need other people to invest into us too. Well, that is such an inspiring story of George with and the influence that he had on so many founding fathers. Um, wow. I'm just, I feel the call to action right now. So it's, I'm excited to, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited in these following um, weeks and just these following episodes that we're able to unpack these men that we're so familiar with. Starting with next week, we have our question for you of which founding father was it said first in war, first in peace and first in the hearts of his countrymen. So next week, we're going to unpack that question, um, talk about in depth about that particular person, which I think we'll all be familiar with that name when we get there. So So don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified when that next episode drops. And of course, share this podcast with all of your friends and family and, and anyone, anyone you know. And also, if you have questions for us, you can email us, remember, at behindthetour at axe-tours.com. Um, we look forward to those questions in the future. Yeah, you guys, and we're so happy that you chose to spend time with us today and that this has uh, been uh, uh, edifying for you and builds you up. Uh, and we hope that you'll join us again next time um, in, next, uh, in our next episode. And always remember um, that your story, your story, is a part of his story and that God put you here and now for such a time as this. So we look forward to joining you again, uh, you joining us, and don't forget your coffee.